This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You would turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, as you reflect on the scripture reading from this morning, uh, all this about uh, hating animals that crawl on the ground and not eating certain animals might seem a little foreign to us, right? Uh, it, uh, because those are Old Testament regulations that we don't live under anymore. However, um, this was rooted in what it says there at the end. Uh, there's a command from the Lord to be holy as I am holy. Uh, it's what the Lord says. And, and he says it twice there. And in the middle of it, I, I don't want this to escape your attention. It said, for I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, be holy as I am holy. Notice the order there. He states what already is the case. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, this is what we do in response to that. Be holy as I am holy. Um, what I want us to see there is the command to be holy there in the Leviticus passage is rooted, it's grounded in the fact of the, they were already saved by God. They weren't trying to achieve salvation by becoming holy. No, God says, I've already redeemed you. I've already rescued you from the land of Egypt. Therefore, because of the saving work that I've already done, you be holy. We see the same kind of pattern when in the New Testament when Peter quotes the same, uh, the same passage whenever he says, be holy as I am holy. And we're going to see that. Um, this passage is a, is a turning of a corner in the book of 1 Peter. We've been going through this and... 1 Peter follows a pattern that we see in all of the New Testament letters. Um, I believe all the New Testament letters. What we see in these New Testament letters is the, the facts about what Jesus has done for us. The, the, the um, indicative is what, what uh, scholars will call it. The, the, the statement of this is what is real always precedes, it always comes before the, the commands in which how we are to live. Um, we, we, we don't live out the Christian life in order to be accepted by God. No, we live out the Christian life because God has already redeemed us, just as we saw in the Leviticus passage. Um, I, was, uh, I was on Facebook this morning and I saw, uh, it, it was also uh, on Twitter, uh, but J.D. Greer, I don't know if anybody knows who that is. He's the, he's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention right now, which I'm a member of. And he states it this way. He, he is, it's right along the line with what I'm saying. The fire for doing in the Christian life comes only from being soaked in the fuel of what has already been done. Does that make sense? Uh, our ability to, to be obedient to God comes only from the fact of, of, of knowing what he's already done for us. Uh, we don't obey out of, uh, out of, a, out of a, uh, 
a desire to be accepted. We obey because God has already accepted us in Christ. So let's look at our text. First uh, Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will, be re- that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you that you have spoken to us, Lord, that we we thank you that we have the voice of the shepherd who's calling to us, who's leading us and guiding us. We thank you that as we hear your voice, you awaken us. Lord, we thank you for your word that it is powerful and that it brings us life. Father, I pray, Lord, this morning that... uh, Lord, we might wonder and glory at your word. And Lord, that we might uh, be soaked in the fuel of what you have done for us in Jesus so that we would have the power uh, to be able to go and live the way you've called us to live. Father, give me grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The first word we see is therefore, and it is cliche, you've probably heard this before, but whenever you come to a therefore, you look and see what it's there for, right? (laughs) Right? When you see a therefore, you look to see what it's there for. Uh, Therefore, it's, it's, this is a, an implication what we've already said, this is the implication of what we're about, what I'm about, uh, what, what, what I've already said. So, um, we won't understand what he's saying, therefore, about unless we have a good picture of what he's already said. And I know I've already gone through that with everyone, but let's just do a little bit of review so we can have fresh in our mind what we have been seeing already in the book of 1 Peter. He he begins, just in the introduction, by telling us that we are to live as as exiles. We we remember that God has chosen us. It says the elect exiles. We live as, as in a world that is not our home, but we live in a hostile world. And how are we to live in that hostile world? We are to remember... Um, that uh, um, we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. All three persons of the Trinity have been involved in our salvation. And it's, it's part of the plan of God. God planned this from all eternity past. He, he has, you, the Holy Spirit has applied salvation in, in sanctifying us and bringing us to Himself, plucking us from the world and setting us apart for His own. Uh, and we've been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. We've been washed clean from our sins. He tells us, blessed be the Lord, or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls us to praise God. And he calls us to praise God because 
According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again. Remember, that's something we should praise God about. He's caused us to be born again. We've, we've been given a new life. We've become new creatures. And uh, we also praise God because we have an inheritance that's, that's held there in the future that will never fade away. That's, that ought to cause us to praise Him. Bless the Lord. Praise Him because he's, ca- he's given us an inheritance that will never fade away. And He keeps us by His power. Um, in, uh, in, in verse 5, who, who, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. He keeps us. He holds on to us. When we feel like we can't keep going on in the midst of this, this hostile world, He keeps us. And all those things ought to cause us to praise Him. Hallelujah. Somebody shout. Right? All right. And, and then He says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. You've been, it's been necessary. You have been grieved by various trials. We can rejoice even in the midst of suffering because of what Jesus has done for us. Because of this great inheritance we have. Because we've been caused to be born again. Because He holds us by His power. We can rejoice even in the midst of suffering because we know that in, through all these trials and tribulations and everything, He is, is forming us and He's refining us like fire. And we're going to come through those fires of tribulation and difficulties and this hostile world that we live as shining like gold that's been refined. And... We can rejoice in that, and we have, we have this great privilege of revelation. The things that, that uh, the prophets long to understand about the sufferings and the glory that was to come of the Christ that they never, never got to really see, and the things that even angels long to look into before we have. So all of those things we ought to praise God for, therefore, is where we're turning now. Therefore, because of all this that God has done in Christ, how are we to live? He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The first thing that we're supposed to do in response to the great magnitude of grace that He's given us is... To set our hope on the grace that's to be revealed. Now, we see these other uh, verbs here before it. If you have the NIV, it might say, uh, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. The translation I'm reading from is the ESV. It says, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. The ESV, where I'm reading from it, I don't know what the King James says or anything, but I know that the Greek here, those first two things are participles. Uh, Basically, I I don't want to get into what a participle functions as or anything, but the fact is those are contingent. They're they're hanging on. uh, They're dependent upon the the main command here, which is set your hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed. As we live in this hostile world... As we live in this world that is not our home, that we live as strangers and aliens in, how are we supposed to live? The first thing we do is we set our hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed. We, we think on it. We, we remember, you know, you know, life isn't good right now. Politics are crazy. People look at me like I'm a bigot. But you know what? I'm looking forward to that time 
We live in a time which is just a little while, as, as Peter said. But it, we're looking forward to that time that the, the glory is not com- comparable to anything. We, we have that kind of inheritance that will always be completely satisfying. And we set our hope fully on that. And we don't hope in making sure we have plenty of money in the bank. We don't hope in making sure that our family is healthy and everything. We can't depend on that. I found out a couple of weeks ago, and I shared this last week, I went in for a blood test and found out my cholesterol, my triglycerides were over 500. You know, they told me, they told me I was at risk for a heart attack. And I'm like, I feel fine. You know, if they hadn't caught that and, and, hadn't, and I hadn't started to put some dietary changes in, I mean, who knows how long that could have gone on. We can't depend on our health, but we put our hope fully in that grace that's to be revealed. Whenever Jesus comes. And, and what, how are some of the ways that, that we, we have to do that to put our hope in that? It says preparing your minds for action. You know, it takes some mental effort in order to, to, to put our hope fully on the grace. The, the world is pulling at us constantly, wanting us to, to, to desire the things that the world desires, wanting to live a, a comfortable life. And it takes effort And so we've got to be able to work and prepare our minds for action. We've got to we have to put mental effort into reminding ourselves of the gospel, reminding ourselves, preaching to ourselves. We've got to prepare our minds for action if we're going to set our hope fully on the grace. It doesn't come by accident. It doesn't come uh, just just willy nilly. No, we've got to work at it. We've got to work at constantly meditating on the Scripture and reminding ourselves of what Jesus has done for us. This great hope that we have. And being sober-minded. You know, uh, again, this triglyceride thing for me, (laughs) uh, that had a sense to sober me up a little bit. Okay, Uh, Before, I'm like, you know, uh, bacon. I mean, I love bacon. And, you know, so it might shorten my life a little bit, you know, but at least I'll die happy because I've got bacon, right? <laughs> but at the same time, I find out my triglycerides are, are so high and, and, and I'm, I'm at risk for a heart attack. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm only 42. Uh, I, I've got small children. And that brings a little bit of soberness to me. And, and we got to face this hostile world that we live in in a sober manner. We've got, we've got, we've got to, to, to have a grasp on reality. Um, because if, if we're not, if we don't have a grasp on reality, we're, we're liable to, uh, to just continue on and be conformed to all the world around us and to listen to the temptations of the world and to just fall right in line with doing the things that everybody else does because we're just good Americans and we do it that way. Right? Um, And then he moves on. We're first to set our hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed, brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then... As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, 
you also be holy in all your conduct. It looks like two commands here. But I'm going to say, I, I think it's really one. And he's giving us both a positive and a negative way of saying it. Because sometimes we don't understand things without having both a positive and a negative. Holiness is a very difficult thing to understand. You know, we, we don't... We don't it, I mean, I know we can give a definition of it. We can say holiness is being separate. It's being separate from... From the world, it's set apart for God's use, and it's also this, this moral purity. But sometimes we just have a hard time because God is so holy and so magnificent, we just can't really even imagine what, what the real holiness of God is like because He's so far above our thoughts and our ways. So, in order for us to understand it a little bit better, God sometimes gives us a negative and He tells us, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. I think both of these things work together. He's telling us, be holy. And one way we can be holy, well, one thing you, way you can know what it is to be holy is don't be conformed to the way you used to be. Don't be conformed to, to the passions of your former ignorance. But all that is grounded... By the first part of verse 14, which says, as obedient children. Ah, as obedient children. Remember when we looked at, when I talked about the, the scripture reading this morning, what Leviticus said was, Be holy as I am holy, for I, the Lord your God, brought you up from the land of Egypt. Therefore, be holy as I am holy. It's grounded, the, the command to be holy is grounded in the saving work of God. And we see the same thing here. As obedient children, we can't be holy. We can't even try to be holy unless we're already God's children. And, and that's why he's, he's, he's already spelled out. He's writing to believers. He said, we have been born again. Of, uh, we've been born again. God's caused us to be born again. We're now children of God. We've been adopted by Him. And because of that, on the basis of that, therefore, we are to be holy. Uh, not in order to be accepted by God, but because we're already His children. That's liberating. That's really liberating. If we don't have that understanding of our call to holiness and obedience, we are, we, are, we are liable to be bound by legalism. A legalism that says, you've got to follow all these rules so that God will accept you. But it's liberating when we understand the gospel. It's good news when we understand the gospel is Jesus has paid it all Jesus has done all the work. He has caused us to be His children. Therefore, we live out of the power of what He's done for us. And so He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We're not to live like the world. This hostile world that we live in, the, this world that, that thinks we're strange, we're not to be conformed to that. We're God's children. We're, we're, he's plucked us out of that. 
That's not what should characterize our lives any longer. But we should be holy. We're set apart. We're set apart from that. We're, we're to, to live lives of moral purity because we've been set apart for God's use. But as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. He reminds us here of the, of the passage that, that Tom read from, and it's also in other places in Leviticus. I think it actually appears in Exodus as well. Um, be holy as I am holy. And that foundation for that passage is, I've already saved you. I've already brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, be holy as I am holy. This is, this is not a, a taking that passage out of context from the Old Testament at all. The command to be holy was always rooted in the saving work of God. Um, and uh, notice here, as he's calling us to holiness, he grounds it in all these different things. He says, because we're, his, you know, we're to be as obedient children, God's already saved us. He's, he's made us his children. But... Uh, and, and we're not to be like we used to be in, in, in our former time of ignorance. Those are reasons why we should be holy. I find it interesting that the very last one that he lists in this list, it's important, it's important, but, but it's for some reason it put last in the list. He says, as it is written, because Scripture commands it. We're to be holy because Scripture commands it. Uh, no, that's true. It's true. We are to be holy because Scripture commands it. Um, but the primary motivation is not just doing it because the Bible says it, which is we ought to do. But the primary motivation is I'm one of God's children. He's, he's, he's redeemed me. He's saved me. He's caused me to be born again. He's, he's got an inheritance for me waiting for me. He he's, keeps me by His power. He's given all of these great benefits in Christ. Therefore, I'm to be holy as, as He is holy. I, I don't think it, it, it minimizes the fact that it is written. It, 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 is, it is written as part of Scripture. But I do think it's interesting that it's the last thing. Our primary motivation is the fact of all the glorious things that Jesus has done for us. He saved us. He's caused us to be born again. We have an inheritance that will never fade away. So church, as we hear this passage this morning, we live in a hostile world. We live in a world that wants us to be conformed, wants us to be just like them. And in those ways that we follow Jesus, in those ways that that rubs up against the culture, they will call us names. They may even try to take legal action against us for things of us just trying to follow Jesus. And in the midst of us, what gives us the strength to, to persevere, to keep on going in the midst of these trials and tribulations is we've got to set our hope on a, on a future inheritance. And this may be difficult now, but it's not worthy to be compared to the glory to be revealed. And we've got to remember, He set us apart to be different. 
He has called us to, to live in this world as holy, as different, as morally pure. Not so that we can gain His acceptance, but because we're reflecting our Father. And all that, again, go back to verse 3, should cause us to praise Him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you.